Hello and welcome to the Storytelling with Pug podcast. We will, as always, start with a story. Fifteen years ago, in an organization that felt like it was not correct for you to draw attention to yourself and away from the mission of what we were doing, I stuffed all of the fun down inside of my long floor-length skirts and complied. But it took away who I really was on the inside. It wasn't until many years later in another situation, another ministry, another organization um, that I was running behind one day for teaching a class and all of a sudden grabbed one of my daughter's headbands with a flower on it and stuck it in my hair. And as I showed up for class, everyone raved, oh, I love the flower. Oh, that's amazing. And, And I didn't think anything of it until the following week when I showed up for class without the flower headband. And everyone says, where's your flower? That was so cool. You look so great in it. And so I started wearing the flower more and more. And as I did, the Lord brought out to me that he delighted in how I was created to enjoy the fun and the color in my life, that that was a part of me that shouldn't be hidden, that shouldn't take away from the mission that he put me in the world to do, but should enhance it. And in fact, actually draws people in to who I am and to ask questions and to be curious about what God's put me here to do. And so now the flowers become something that for me allows me to show up every day and remember that I was created to do this. This is who I am. This is how I get to show up in the world. And not only the freedom to do that, but that this is what is my best worship. Doing exactly what I was created to do as I was created to do it gives me the freedom to do that with all of my heart and serve those people that I was created to serve. You may not have a flower but there is something about you that is your unique flamingo advantage, if you will, that allows you to show up and do what you were created to do in the world. And I hope we get to help you find that. I love, I absolutely love the ending to that. The focus on people's uniqueness is something we focus on with um, uh, brands, with companies all, all the time. Uh, we don't have the same uh, religious elements as, as, as you do to it, but either way, I think the message is the same, that you are your own person and uh, that you've got something special which makes which makes you stand out. Um, I absolutely love that story, Katie. Thank you so much. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about it in a second um, and we'll also find out more about you because we had a a little bit of a, a conversation before we started and i'm excited to find out more um, but uh, before any of that let's have a quick introduction to the podcast you're listening to storytelling with puck the podcast designed to show the power of stories in life and in business stories connect us on a deeper level which is why we'll be sharing chatting about and feeling the impact they have on every one of us your host stefano is the founder of Puck Creations, and we work with your business to define a clear, consistent, relevant brand which stands out from the crowd. We use that brand to create content that makes your audience think, feel, and take action. Visit puckcreations.com to find out more. Before you do that, I need to ask you all a question. Have you ever seen a flamingo hide? Whether it's on TV or in nature, flamingos always seem to be comfortable with standing out. And our guest today, Katie Horner, wants you to feel comfortable with standing out too. Katie, I'm going to start by asking you, how do you stand out from the crowd? You've already given us a little taste of that with your flower story. 
<laughs> well, I, I get to stand out from the crowd in that I am one of the few coaches in my industry that specifically works with those from a, a more uh, conservative Christian background. Um, it's not to say that we don't welcome anyone else, but the ones that we resonate with the most um, are in tune with that more conservative Christian message. And it gives us an edge in the industry that says, I can help you because I uniquely understand you. My husband and I were in ministry for a decade as we transitioned into being business owners and expat entrepreneurs. And we had to overcome a lot of the same uh, limiting beliefs and mindset shifts that those who are uh, going into business with those same Christian beliefs have to overcome in order to be successful and to grow their business and their impact in the world. And so in, in my industry, at least, that's one of the things that sets me apart. And like you said before, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, the religious thing doesn't have to play into, do I find something unique? However, every one of us was created to do a specific thing in the world that helps other people be fulfilled to do what they were created to do. And if we don't do that, it creates this break in the chain, a break in the ripple, and then things don't happen in the world as they should. And so my job, my uh, calling if you will is to help others show up and be all they were created to be and i'm excited to get to share that and the flamingo element of that here with you today it, it is exciting actually and um i first i love your energy i love uh i, I love the enthusiasm that you have it, it shines through um in in what you do and, and yes as mentioned earlier and, and we won't dwell on this uh too much um uh, but uh, I, I was brought up in a very religious family. I, I was brought up as a strict Catholic. I am currently an uh, atheist, and there's many reasons behind that, which is not it's not not for today's um, podcast. Um, however, I, I think a lot of the elements of what you were talking about, as you said just then, are important for people who are atheists, important for um, Muslims, important for Christians, important for people of all different um, faiths. But with all of that being said, you mentioned that one of the things that makes you stand out is the fact that you can communicate with people who are conservative Christians because you understand their challenges. Now, some of our listeners will be conservative Christians, I hope, <laughs> and, uh, and some some may not. So for those who aren't, what would you say some of those biggest the biggest challenges are? What What, what is it that holds, holds people back from... Um, being able to express themselves if they come from a conservative Christian background. Well, in the conservative Christian uh, religion, if you will, there's a lot of talk about um, how we uh, make make big of God, make big of others, make small of ourselves. Um, pride goes before a fall. Um, all of those things that can sometimes get taken out of context, right? And make me think that it's wrong of me to promote myself or um, that it's wrong of me to uh, talk about what I can do and how I can serve people because that comes across as egotistical or prideful or things. And um, the reality of it is that when, when you have the belief that your gift are given to you from God or from a higher power that this is not about you. This is about how you get to serve other people in the world. It takes away that whole pride element and it allows you to show up in a more confident way to say, this is not about me and what I can do. Like, let's just put that aside. This is about what 
you need. This is about how you can be all you were created to be and you can show up better in the world. This is about what God wants to do in your life and through you to the people that you serve, right? And so you're skipping that whole middle element of me that gets me all tangled up because when I focus on myself, that's where I get into the muck, right? But when I can look outward, then it allows me to uh, have a confidence that allows me to show up and promote in a different way because it's all about the results I can get for people rather than the payment I'm looking for for myself. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. In fact, it's something we um, talk about a lot with our clients is um, why are you doing what you do? What makes you get up in the morning? And and especially we, we often work with um, clients who are just on the verge of scaling up. They, they have a business which has done fairly well, but they're about to break through to um, maybe getting an investment from somewhere, um, maybe be about to hire new employees, etc. And they're worried about how do they keep everyone together and on the same page and wanting to do the same work as the the boss wants to do um when why would people care as much uh, about making profits for the company and often what we talk about is well actually you're right people won't care about making profits for the company but what they might care about is what do you stand for? Why did you start the business in the first place? Um, what is it that makes you um, get up early on a um, or, or every Thursday morning to go to a specific meeting where you can support people in X, Y, and Z? Why do you do that? Because actually, if you can tell your employees that and you can get them on the same page, then they'll get up at five o'clock in the morning as well. Whereas if you tell them they have to get up at five o'clock in the morning because you want to earn more money and put it in your back pocket, you're probably going to find it harder to convince them. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I completely get where you're coming from with that. And and uh, as you say, and, and you talk about it in, in, in you know, what we're meant for and, and, and uh, uh, from the perspective of uh, religion and God brings you to the world because you're meant to have a purpose. And, and I think that that makes a lot of sense for um, your audience. And I, I think it really shows, again, what you were talking about in terms of you believe you're meant to come here to help other people to understand what they're meant to do. So, so yes, again, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yes. And I think whatever your whatever you were created to do this the thing that lights you up the thing that brings you joy when you get to do this in your in your work a lot of us think that work should not be sacred that work should be separate from the sacred and i believe it should be blended i don't think you know a, a flamingo is pink inside and out their blood is pink their skin is pink their tissues are pink their milk is pink like everything about them is pink they just are who they are inside and out they can't hide the pinkness right they can diminish the pinkness based on on what they eat which is a total other point that we could make, um, but they can't hide that. And so when you when you show up and do what you were created to do, it is bringing the sacred into the workspace and it allows you a certain sense of joy and fulfillment, knowing that this is what I was made for. This is why I'm here, right? And, and when you enroll other people, as you were saying, in that mission of what we're here to do, it's not just that we're getting up at 5 a.m. for a paycheck. It's not just that we're getting up at 5 a.m. for profits for the boss. It's that this is what we were created created to do. And when you've got everybody working with that sense of um, this is my purpose and everybody doing the thing that is their genius, that lights them up and gives them joy, like it just it just makes the whole world a better place. And suddenly work doesn't feel like work anymore. 
I completely with you on that. Um, completely agree. Uh, tell me a little bit then about um, how how this all this all started because you mentioned um uh, that um you you initially uh, were working um as a missionary and uh, then that evolved into becoming a business but i'm guessing there were steps in between and so <laughs> how did you get from being a missionary to becoming um a an entrepreneur a business owner and and doing what you do now Sure. So I always knew I was going to be in ministry. I didn't study for business. Um, I had the, the heart of a teacher, knew I wanted to be overseas somewhere um, doing teaching and ministry work. And um, I was headed overseas prior to meeting my husband. And then when when I met him and he was headed overseas as well, like that, that became a perfect fit. And so uh, we, we married and uh, paid off school debt and uh, came to Mexico within about two years. And uh, we came down to work in a ministry. And then after two to three years, we transitioned to another ministry, um, which as is often the case can be kind of messy when you're you're moving between ministries in, in those circles. Um, and then in that ministry, um, that one also sort of fizzled out after a year. And so here we were a young family, young children, completely donation supported to be in Mexico at that point. We had no work visa. We had no savings. We had no credit cards. Like we were completely dependent on the people who had said, I believe in what you're doing and we will support you to keep doing this work. Um, and suddenly it was all gone and we had to figure out what we were going to do. And so we created a business. Um, our first business was actually a Spanish company, a Mexican company that provided a homeschool curriculum to the Spanish speaking world. Um, and this particular type of curriculum was a trailblazer curriculum. It didn't exist in Spanish prior to us. Um, and so for 10 years, we, we kind of pioneered this new curriculum in that space and became leaders and speakers and mentors in the Spanish homeschool space. And a few years into that, we began taking what we learned in growing our own business and teaching it to English speaking business owners online. And because of the virtual world, you know, we can mentor and coach from anywhere in the world. And so eventually we got to the point where if we could do this from anywhere, where do we want to be? And we knew we wanted to be where we were in Campeche, Mexico. And so um, that was how the coaching business started. And then uh, one year, uh, right after Christmas, we like to take a family trip with our family and we have five children. They're between wow. the ages of eight and 17 right now. And so this was a number of years ago, but we decided to go out to where the flam flamingos migrate to in Mexico. It's just a few hours away from us on the coast um, over uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. And so we took the family out, rented a hotel. We we chartered a little fishing boat to go out because you got to go out through the ocean and then turn into the river and go up river. There's crocodiles, there's um, mangroves, there's, you know, all, all this stuff. And as we turn the corner and go up into the river, it was just, it was like an unearthly feeling. It was like you were walking into a movie set or something because in front of you was just this big expanse of blue water and on the sides, the green of the trees, and then above you, the blue of the sky. And right in the middle that looked from a distance like pink fluffy cotton balls, it was just pink fluffs everywhere. You know, and like, I mean, you can see flamingos in a zoo or you've seen them on TV, I'm sure. And so you can picture this in your head, what they look like up close. But from a distance, it was just this, the coolest sight to see all these dots of pink out in the middle of this expanse of blue and green. And um, it was just fascinating to me because I'd never seen them in that environment before. And the closer we got to them, I thought, oh, well, they're going to, you know, they're, 
as they hear the motor, they're going to get all excited. And in they were not like they did not care that we were there. They were not scared. They were not in a hurry to get away from us. Like they were just there. And then like there's crocodiles in the river, you know, <laughs> like we were not getting out of the boat. And there they were standing in the water, like not even concerned about this, you know, and it just it just really impressed me with the amazingness of this bird that I'd never given two thoughts before. And the more I thought about it after that trip, the more the analogies kept coming of how a flamingo is so much like a business owner in that, you know, you are what you eat. The, the, the more that they eat, the, the more color they get from their food. And that shows on the outside what they're eating on the inside, you know? The more we put into our own hearts and heads, that influences how we act and respond and choices we make on the outside. Um, they can't hide who they are. There was no hiding the pinkness that day, you know? And, and a lot of business owners I know think they need to hide when they should be proud of who they are and proud of the colors they're showing on the outside. You know, um, living in community, flamingos can't exist by themselves. They would die off if they were not in community. And as business owners, so many of us need community as well. There is a natural leader in every group of flamingos. And, you know, there's a natural leader in your business or in the community that you align yourself. So many different lessons just kept coming and coming and coming. And so we published a book called Faith Like Flamingos, the Christian business guide to walking out your faith in bold color and encouraging our people to live out, to blend who they are into what they do on a day-to-day -day, uh, business life. And um, then it just kind of took off. And so now suddenly I'm the flamingo lady and everyone's sending me pictures of flamingos and tagging me on social with flamingo stuff and sending gifts in the mail with flamingos. I have clients whose husbands now buy me flamingo gifts, right? Like it's just been this crazy journey. The flamingos sort of picked us from that point on and we've embraced it. And then this year we were able to publish the Flamingo Advantage book, which is more of a marketing uh, book around leveraging your uniqueness in the world and you know, here, here we are, the Flamingo brand and the Flamingo Advantage. Fantastic. I, I, it's it's such a good origin story. Um, and I, I love the lessons you learn from uh, the Flamingos there as well. I've, I've been lucky enough to see Flamingos in the, in, in the wild too. And you're right, they're absolutely spectacular creatures. And, and even with everything else going on and all the other things you can see around you, you, you can't help but Keep your eyes on them and wonder what they're going to do next because they are the center of attention and they they, they as you say it's um it's also they're strutting their stuff but then they're, they're not they're not doing it in a in a proud way they're just who they are um, exactly and, uh, so you write about about the analogies too i uh, i really enjoyed that you then you when when you were explaining that you mentioned how you then took that out to the world you wrote the book um, which is uh, fantastic and and started speaking to uh, your clients and explained to them about how it's okay to be more flamingo uh, to be more flamingo like uh, how how much pushback do you get usually when you're first starting with a client and and how long does it take for you to be able to instill that confidence that they are okay to to um, to be who they are and to, to be themselves and to understand themselves better. One of my greatest joys and privileges in the work that I get to do is to believe for my clients until they can believe for themselves. And it it varies, you know, how long does it take per client? I, I don't know if I have an average. It varies per person depending on where they are when they come to us. 
Um, but it is absolutely a joyful experience to watch them blossom under that confidence when they come back to the truth of, yes, I was created for this. And yes, you know, the people who I'm fearing judgment from or fearing criticism from are probably not my right fit clients. Those people are waiting for me to show up and reach them, you know, and, and to be able to walk someone down that path of awareness um, and acknowledgement and to see that confidence grow is just, it's one of the best things in the whole world. I can imagine that. To counter that, the, the the best things in the whole world part that you just mentioned, um, just because you mentioned something else during that answer, which was the word fear. Mm. How important is fear and how how much of a role does it play in our lives and in our business? How, how much do you think it plays in our lives and our business? I think fear is important um, to acknowledge uh, and to work with. I don't think it's something that needs to control us. Fear is one of the, the three natural negative emotions that we have. And I believe that we were given that on purpose. Um, you know, there's anger, fear, and contempt would be the three main negative emotions that we have. And each of them serve a purpose. Um, but as with most things, it's when we take it to an extreme or allow it to control us that we end up having issues, right? And so in my own life, fear of man has been a big thing for me to overcome. I feared judgments. I feared criticisms. I wanted to be the one who was approved by everyone and loved by everyone. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs are this way as they start out. I want to serve everyone, right? And so any negativity, any criticisms, any um, contradictions to what I'm trying to do can be taken very personally and turn into this big fear of man or fear of judgment. And, I had to really realize that um, just like a flamingo, my voice is unique. Every single bird has their own unique voice, their own unique tone. And that's how the other flamingos recognize them. And I have a unique voice and you have a unique voice, Stefano. Every one of us has a unique voice that's going to resonate with the birds out there in society who need to follow us, right? And the ones who don't resonate with that voice, that's okay. There's another leader being prepared for those people. There's somebody else that can help them, but I need to focus in on the ones that are hearing me and following me and really be the leader that they need to be, right? And once I learned that, that I didn't have to save the whole world, that I was created to help some, and I can focus in on those some that really help to overcome that that emotion of fear and give me again that confidence in knowing this is what I'm here to do and this is who I'm here to help and getting more clear on that so that I could step out and not let the fear become one of those extremes that would control everything I did. I like that you, you're focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't do, which is, uh, exactly. yeah, I think that's a, that's a beautiful way to be. It's, it's, it's a great way to um it, it's difficult um and and so i can understand why as you say it's different for, for every client but i can understand why for some clients it, it, it can take a while to get them into that space and um i like how you put um the idea that you're you're there to believe for them while they <laughs> while, while they're learning to believe in themselves i i i, I like that a lot so you, you mentioned earlier that you have um, you have five kids, which is uh, I'm the youngest of six, and uh, so I, I I always feel sorry for my parents. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> oh no, we love them. I, I, our kids are our favorite people. They're my favorite people to spend time with. Um, now that they're old enough to to think and reason and have their own ideas and and arguments, um, we just have fabulous family discussions and fun times, and yeah, it's great. The reason I was I was mentioning them is I was wondering, especially some of the older kids, uh, what do they think about the business and what do they think about the flamingo idea and and uh, does that resonate in their lives as well sometimes and uh, and uh, how they I guess approach studying and approach meeting friends and all of that kind of stuff. Well, we have home educated for um, the majority of the time that we've lived in Mexico. So um, you know, our oldest was born in the states, but they were born here. And so for the most part, you know, they, they don't know anything different. Um, they see different and are comparing themselves to other, other friends and their families and things. And, um, they're beginning to recognize now that they're, you know, the 14, 15, 17 year old, uh, they're beginning to recognize how good they have it now, I think, um, in terms of, of just being more laid back and being able to pursue the studies that interest them and things like that. And they do work in the business. Our oldest is an artist and she's actually done, she did the, the cover art for Faith Like Flamingo's book. Um, wow. our, our second oldest is a, a graphic designer. Um, she draws more cartoon style and does YouTube editing for us in the business. Um, our 14 year old is uh, apprenticing right now with me on the accounting side of the business and learning to, to do the books and the numbers and things. Not because we have a design for them to, to necessarily carry on a family business, but because they're all learning skills that are in, uh, in their set of interest and skills that will be marketable skills. And they'll be able to have a job sooner than, than other people because they've had that training. And so they do work very closely closely with us most days and see the ups and downs of the business and um, get to sit in on certain client calls, you know, and, and hear as we're coaching and, and working people through this. And the discussions that we have afterwards are always fascinating as they are putting two and two together and, you know, creating their own opinions of how the world works. And um, some of their comments have been really huge to see like, oh, they were listening, <laughs> you know, that does make sense <laughs> yeah. to them. And uh, I really feel like they're going to be a lot better off as an adult than I was because they've been included in these ways and the things that we're learning uh, as adults. That's an interesting point that you make. Um, there's, uh, there's different ways, uh, and I'm not a person to, to judge how, how people are brought up, in, in, um, but there are different ways that people are brought up. And I think um, for a lot of people in my generation and uh, in, in, in the UK, um, we were brought up to follow, I guess, rather than to give, give our own opportunities to lead. Um, and so we were brought up to do things the way that, as you say, we were told uh, to do things. And it, it, that's not just at home, that's also in school. I, I know your kids are home taught, but um, for uh, for me going into, in, into school, especially um, the younger years of school, there was very much a kind of doctrine of how you should behave, how you should um, study. Everyone was taught to study in exactly the same way. We had big classes of a group of 30. So this isn't a slight on teachers. It was just very difficult for them to be able to teach, to teach different people in different ways. So I find it interesting that uh, you're uh, teaching your kids in a different way and you're allowing them to kind of go and not be focused on necessarily what you think they should be focused on, but to be focused on what they want to be um, focused on. 
Yeah. How does it differ with your upbringing? Um, you, you don't have to go into too much detail in this if you don't want to, but how does it differ with your upbringing? And, and, and how does it make you feel, I guess, to see that difference? Well, I was, I was, I had the opportunity to enjoy both private school and homeschool growing up. My husband um, participated in private school, homeschool, and public education as he was growing up. And so um, then I trained as a teacher. I was a certified teacher in, in South Carolina and um, had a master's degree in curriculum, admin, curriculum development and school administration. And so coming from a teacher's perspective, I'm, and this is something that I bring to my clients and with our, our coursework and, and all of that as well, is that it's not just about your knowledge or your, your skill set. There's also things to take into account that include things like psychological safety, things like learning styles, um, love languages are super important in an educational situation, right? And so when you're able to um, recognize the differences, the uniqueness in the, the people that you are teaching or that you are serving in your business, whatever the case is, and you're able to make certain uh, adjustments for them so that they have the best opportunity possible, they're going to flourish a lot more in that situation than they would have if it was just the same across the board for everyone, because this is how it's easier for me. Such a great point. You'd expect nothing less from Katie Horner, as she's made many great points and shared a variety of fabulous stories in part one of this podcast. Actually, Katie will be talking a lot more about stories in the second half, and we will, of course, have a story by Puck Creations. Before that, do you have the power to speak? My creativity at its best, it's a real exploring, it's a surprising journey. I think creativity is just the, the antidote to insanity, and it's productive originality. Surprising answers, inspiring stories, motivational, educational, inspirational. Wise words with Power to Speak the podcast. Find us on your favourite podcast platform or watch on YouTube at Power to Speak the podcast with me, Jackie Goddard. The, the public education systems and even a lot of the private ones, because of the amount of students that you have, there have to do things in certain ways. A lot of times there, yeah. there has to be this sort of uh, everyone gets treated like this just because of the sheer number of people that you're dealing with. Right. Exactly. But I have always believed that the best way to prove that you've learned something is to teach it to somebody else, not to get an A on a test or to memorize and repeat something. And so with our children, um, we've sort of been test averse in our homeschool in that we want to have discussions with them. We want to see them teaching another sibling or a friend how to do something. We want to see them explaining to grandparents what they just did, you know, or what they've learned. Um, and, and really giving them an opportunity then to internalize and process and then give back out that information in a way that makes sense for them because they are very different. And, and by, you know, there's certain things they all have to do. Like we have a list of 200 books they have to read during high school in order to qualify for wow. graduation from our homeschool. And some of the titles are titles that mom and dad pick. Everybody has to read these. Certain, uh, certain history ones, certain apologetics, certain uh, literature ones, you know, things like that. Um, but then a lot of the others, they're free to choose those titles based on their interest. And what would you like to study? You know, and our, our senior this year has done 
um, two or three years of um, historical, uh, historical, um, like Middle Ages history. Um, and she's interested in fashion and dress because she's more artsy. And so combining those interests with her history and with her science and with her art classes so that she can delve into and develop those skills is super important. Um, and then how do they learn? Some of our kids read actual books. Some of our kids prefer audiobooks because they're auditory learners, right? And being able to, to customize this in your programs as a business or in the way that you train your employees, right? And providing different formats for people to learn what they need to learn, providing different ways of evaluating have they learned and can they do is super, super important to the success of your program, to their success as a person and the results that they get and ultimately you know, to the success of their business. And so I feel like we're, we're doing a better job for our kids than we were um, given, not, not just like parents or, or systems that we were involved with, but just because of the things that we've learned and the tweaks we've been able to make and how we train our kids, I think they're going to have a much better opportunity in the future than we did. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that individualism you talk about, again, which goes through everything you've talked about today from the business to how you look after your kids and to, um, I guess, the, the forward thinking way that uh, you're, you're, you're speaking to uh, clients and, and, and coaching them. I think that's really important. Um, I, I know a, a, a dear friend of mine um, had two kids, one who was very, very academic in the, the more traditional sense and, and, and very happy to read all of the books, to do all of the math questions easily, to constantly be studying um, and not wanting to do much else. And the other child was not really academia at all and didn't ever pick up a book never wanted to read um anything instead of punishing the child for not wanting to read she got um she got them a um a, a whole load of magazines about sport because they were really really into sport and so that was the way that she taught the kid to read and after a while um he then started wanting to read books as well but by this point it was because he had an interest in reading but he would never have had that interest if a different interest hadn't been passed along to him, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I think what you're explaining, it's not always possible because of what we mentioned, because of the fact that there are so many students and not enough teachers. Um, and so therefore, it's very difficult to teach people individually. But if you can and you have the opportunity to do what you're doing, I think it, it, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. One thing that I think has cropped up a few times in our conversation um, is when I've asked the question, your answer has um, come back in the form of a story, which, as you may have realised from the name of the podcast, <laughs> Storytelling with Punk, um, is, uh, is something that we, uh, we, we, we love. How, how do you use stories when you're communicating and, and, and what do you advise your clients to do with stories? Do they get a chance to, to communicate to their clients and to their audience via stories as well? Stories are are a huge educational tool. Um, you know, as a, as a teacher, during my training in college, one of my favorite classes of all time was children's literature. 
And uh, mm -hmm. my best friend what happened to be in that class the same semester with me, and we just ate it up. Um, you know, we would we would be the two adults that you would see on the floor in the children's center at the local bookstore reading books uh, for a couple hours a night. You know, um, just because there's so much depth in a story, and and especially in. Uh, a children's story, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said uh, a story that is good for a child is good for an adult, right? And and it is it is something, there's something about um, hearing a lesson given through the eyes and experiences of someone else that makes it applicable to me, right? And so as I'm helping my clients with marketing and client experience, story plays a big part in how we communicate those lessons that we're trying to teach or how we enroll someone into taking that next right step for them in their business. Because I can tell you all day what I can do for you. But if you hear a story of how um, Jenny came through our program and was just about to throw in the towel because her last client gave up on her and we encouraged her to start her own business, which then allowed her to sell her home and move to another state and buy her dream home and bring her husband home from work. Like when you hear that that was possible for her, now you believe that I can do that for you. Right. And so bringing story into your marketing, bringing story into your examples of what you're teaching in your programs or even with your services, if you're a service provider, it can be a huge asset to learn how to tell a good story. And all I mean, most of the famous people in history we know of because why? Because a story was told about them. Right. Yeah. And most of the famous leaders in history use stories to motivate their people. It can be hugely motivational, hugely instructional. Um, I, I think it's something that all of us should be tapping into better, um, whether we're teachers by profession or not. I, I, uh, as you can imagine, I completely agree with you, and it, it's 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 a big part of the reason we we started this podcast, and a big part of the reason we started the um, initial storytelling with Puckin um, initiative. In life, stories are important, and and we're often happy. Um, uh, I was about to say down the pub, and it's more of a, a, an English reference. But in a bar, and at a restaurant with uh, with with friends, um, sharing stories, and and also we gravitate towards the people that are telling those stories. But then, when it comes to our businesses, often we hide from it. We don't think anybody would be interested in our stories. We think that actually all they want to know is what the best feature is of the latest, um, I don't know, Intel uh, processor on the laptop. <laughs> and, uh, and we forget that we're also those people. And if somebody came up to us, and for most people, there are some people who would be interested in this, but said, oh, the latest Intel processor has, you know, X, Y, and Z on it, we would either run or just fall asleep on the spot. So, so why do we think other people will be interested in that? But if we maybe tell a story about the um, uh, inventor of uh, Intel, <laughs> or we tell a story um, about how we discovered our first laptop and all of the things that we were able to do with this laptop. And then um, when we were able to, uh, I don't know, um, uh, play f f three different videos at the same time in three different places, all through the power of this tiny little laptop, which meant that we could communicate with our customers over here, our suppliers over here, um, and our collaborators over there. Um, and, and this was all because of the power of this processor on the laptop then suddenly people care about the processor and then you can start telling them the facts 
<laughs> and that's that that's why I I think stories are so important. I agree with um I agree with what you've just said there. And and I love the client stories. I love that you were just talking about um, I think it was Jenny, you mentioned the name, um, and uh how her business um what was, was was struggling and then evolved because of the conversations that she had with you and the coaching she had with you. So what I would like if, if uh, I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but what would you say your favorite client story is? What would you say is one that really stands out and makes you feel warm inside every time you think about it? <laughs> mm. Well, Jenny is one of them. There, there are many. Um, I think of, I think of uh, another one. Um, it, let's let's call her Irina. She came to me um, already being having been a successful coach for many years. Um, but she what she said she realized when she came was this uh, a lack of confidence in that she was she was doing business for the right reasons. Right. She she had the passion. She had the knowledge. She had the um, all of that. She she was getting clients through her current marketing and things. Um, but what she realized when she came to us, she said, was that I was doing it um, for um, for my God instead of with him. Right. And so through our coaching, she was able to tap into that again on the religious side of things, why this was so important to her at the heart level to be able to tap into that spiritual power, to be able to say, you know, this is not just something I do for him. This is something I get to do with him. Like he created me to do this. And that completely changed her outlook on her business. It completely changed the way that she interacted with the prospective clients, with the new clients coming in. Um, another one uh, came to me as a, a CPA firm owner. And, uh, you know, she also, she she had the CPA firm, which had been running for many, many years um, and was quite successful. And then she had a small business on the side that was teaching art. And um, she's like, I feel like I'm I'm two different people. I get to put the CPA hat on here, and then I come over here, and I get to do the art. And I really want to grow the art um, because that's where I feel like I get to mentor people, right? Over here, I feel like it's it's more of a, a job, and over here, I I want to mentor. I want to do more of this. And what she found through working with us that she's not a CPA or an art teacher. She's a mentor. And she gets to mentor no matter what sphere she's in because she's working with people and she's seeing them now as people that God has brought into her sphere of influence for a specific reason and has just blossomed under this new mentor title that's allowed her the freedom to um, do what she loves in both of those spheres where before it felt restricting to the job title. And um you know, I, it's just amazing to see each each one of our clients comes in a little bit at a different level, um, and we're working with them on a lot of the same basic tactical things in marketing and client experience. But it's really that personal up level, the personal development that gets woven through everything we do. We may not market it that way, but it's always there, and and it's just so amazing to see them blossom and and become better leaders in their business and their spheres of influence because of. Uh, what they learn in our programs. I, I love that depth. The depth of what you do, I think, is is, is beautiful, and 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 it's it's so important as well. When when we talk to our, our customers about their brand, one of the key parts of their brand is uh, who they're speaking to and who their audience is. Um, 
but what we don't like to do is just ask them off the cuff who do you think your audience are because actually i think people don't fully always know who their audience are straight away and something that you're talking about there with um uh, the lady who became uh, a mentor um was that actually she didn't fully get who her audience were but the reason she didn't get who her audience was was because she didn't understand who she was um and she didn't understand what she was trying to bring and i think when we understand ourselves better we understand uh, as you've talked about many times today the why you're in business in the first place and you understand kind of how you want to get there and you you, you get a bit a bit of a better feel for your personality and the way that you want to come across and um how you want to talk to people once you get those things right then you go oh okay now I have something that I want to do that people are going to need. And at that point you go, well, there must be an audience for this. Who are they? And it's only at that point where you work out who your audience are. And then you align your content to speak to the audience. And I, I think that, that to me, that seems to be what you're doing as well. It's, it's uh, again, it's coming at it from a slightly different angle because you have your audience and the people that you're speaking to. But I think that you're, you're doing something similar. Correct me if, if I'm wrong, but would you say that's, that's, I guess, the crux of what you're doing. Yes, I think that the important thing as you're marketing a business or trying to, to grow a business is you do have to be clear on that audience and what you're doing for them. And it's not something that is done. It's not like a homework assignment that you do once and get the grade and you're done. Like the, the audience work continues to change because you change, because your business changed, because society changes, because your audience people change as an individual and as a whole. Um, the way that we communicate changes. I mean, if you look back to where we started our business in 2011, all of like Pinterest didn't even exist when I started, right? Like, and, and Pinterest is now considered one of the old social medias. So when you think about just all of the changes that are constantly happening, this is a work that we have to keep diving into. I like to call it falling in love with your, with your client, falling in love with your right fit person, right? You've got to keep getting to know. My husband and I have been married almost 20 years and he is not the same man that I married and I'm not the same person that he married, right? Like we have changed so much over the years because of the experiences that we've gone through and the education that we've had and the choices that we've made. And um, we have to keep getting to know one another. Do you still like that? Do you still want that? Is this still a goal you have, right? Keep learning about one another and our likes and our dislikes and our goals and our desires. And it's the same with your audience. You have to continue to get to know them, continue to dive in deep. What are they thinking and what are they feeling and what are they fearing and where are they hanging out and and all of that. And then once you once you're clear on those things and then you can be clear on how the offer that I'm making them should be presented in a way that helps them take the re next right step for them, whether that's me or whether that's someone else. Because marketing is not just about them saying yes to me. Marketing is about them saying yes to the next right step for them. So I need to present what I offer in a way that's clear enough that if it is right, they know it's right and they're all in, or that they know it's not for them and that's sufficiently clear enough for them to look for help somewhere else. Both of those are a win. I completely agree that both of those are a win. And I think it's a really good point to uh, let our listeners leave with that in their minds um, and to have that idea. But before before they leave, I shouldn't have said that too soon. <laughs> <laughs> We're not running them off. 
<laughs> no, don't don't run away just yet, but just keep that in your heads. <laughs> um, I know for certain after this conversation that we're going to have lots of listeners who are going to want to find out more, want to find out if you are the perfect fit for them and they are, you are the perfect coach for them. So where can they find you? Of course, you can connect with me at theflamingoadvantage.com. Um, grab a free copy of our book, pay shipping and handling there, get on one of our email lists, um, send us an email, uh, however we can help, we'd be happy to help you. Absolutely perfect. Thank you. And we'll put that on the show notes. And also, if you have any other links, etc., we'll put all of those on there uh, on the show notes too. Um, but it genuinely has been such a pleasure to speak with you. Um, I have been educated and entertained. So <laughs> thank you so much, Katie. It's <laughs> yeah, been a like pleasure, Stefano. Thank you. We will, as always, finish with a story from Puck Creations. Walking towards the junction, Jack saw two men on a moped abruptly stop. They turned to two ladies opposite and sneered before shouting, screaming. Their words were full of vitriol and racism. Go back to where you came from. Take that off your head. Jack started shaking involuntarily. He took a second to compose himself and gave a reassuring wink to the abused ladies. The two men saw Jack and started moving away. They were quick, but thankfully Jack's moped was parked just in the right place. He jumped on and weaved through the traffic. The rider in front was fast and he knew how to manoeuvre his bike. Footpaths were no obstacle to him. They were just a getaway path. But Jack was ready. He knew these streets better than most, so he pursued the men to a dead end. They had no way of riding back past Jack, so they got off the bike and took out their knives. Jack laughed. <laughs> Which sent the fear of God into them. But they didn't back down. They attacked Jack with everything they had. Jack subdued them and gave them a good old-fashioned beating, before waking up and realising he was still stood on the side of the road, helpless. Jack caught a glimpse of one of the women across the street. She had a tear streaming down her eye, connecting directly with a cut where one of the men had just scratched her with some keys. Jack thought for a second about how much the salty tear would sting. Then he came back to reality. The women were being taken care of by a group of five, maybe six people, who had all rushed past Jack to help. Nobody thought it was a good idea to chase these idiots. They called the police and made sure the ladies were okay. Jack turned on a sixpence and went back the way he came. It was the opposite way to his home, but... He didn't care. He'd probably watch another superhero film tonight, but that moment proved he was no superhero. There weren't any superheroes. But there were heroes. Not one of them wore a cape. Not one of them got into a fight. Yet each one showed kindness and compassion. Jack, he froze. This was the moment Jack decided he would no longer strive to be a superhero. He'd aim to be an exceptional human instead. 
You've just been listening to an episode of the Storytelling with Puck podcast. Your support keeps our podcast going, so please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. Subscribe to keep up to date with the latest episodes and never forget the importance of sharing your stories.